let's hit the waiver wire. We're going to look at players to add, players who have been added, players who have been dropped, players you can drop, trends, interesting players, all that sort of stuff. Michael Bolton, it's Fantasy Basketball Waiver Wire time. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and do I work on contingency? No, money down. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball, on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball, and on Instagram at lockedonfantasybasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanjul.com slash locked on to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. As I said, it's a waiver wire show. It's about looking at um, players that we can add, players have, that have been added. What are the trends doing? How we are approaching our teams. So we might as well crack in and uh, and have a look and see what we are, <clears throat> see what we've got to pay attention to across the waiver wire landscape in fantasy basketball. And we'll just start by looking at my must roster, must must roster segment, right? Which is guys that I project to be top 100 per game players the rest of the season who are currently available in over 20% of leagues. Now, for the majority of you, this won't matter. But for some of you, you go, ah, he's available. And you probably should do something about it. So six names. Zach Collins, available in 23% of leagues, should be zero. Dan Gafford, available in 25% of leagues. Again, he pushes back towards the end of a points league list, but he's still a top 100 sort of a player. Yes, an ankle injury. Again, this bloke can't stay healthy. I know this. He also can't stay healthy. He played 77 games last season. He's a guy you add. Jalen Johnson, we're getting there. We're creeping up. About three days ago, he was at 42%. We're up to 62 now. There is definitely not 38% of leagues that are dead. There's not. So he's got to be rostered. The wave pool at 69%, DeAnthony Melton. He is going to start. And you could look at his numbers and then you go, Josh, we've seen these numbers aren't that good without Harden. Cool. As I will always preach, look at all that, look at the ranking, and look that he's shooting like 31% from the field. So that is going to improve. While the other stuff, the minutes, the assists, all that stuff will probably have a chance of holding. All right, so he's going to get better than this. He is a must-roster player. It is without question. I still think that Wendell Carter Jr. is. Now, you might disagree because he's had some struggles. He's had a run where he was at 8% usage. He shot 20% yesterday. And I'll tell you now, both of those things are not real. The projection or the production from him has not been good. There is no doubt in that. But we're not making snap decisions of the waiver wire based on the ranking of someone over four games. Oh, he's 180th or whatever he is. I don't know what he is. He's something like that, right? That's not what it's about. It's about, does any of this shit here make sense for him to be able to continue? Now, I'm not saying that he's going to blow you away and be this top 40 player. Like, he's, he's not. He probably does end up as a back-end player. And my general rule is, if you're, whoever your worst player is, they do become droppable unless they're a top 100 guy. And I still believe that Wendell Carter is a top 100 player. So if he was dropped, I would add him. And the other one is Asar Thompson, who sits at 76% rostered. Yes, 
Sometimes it can be tough with Asaya with some of his percentages, but he's doing so much with rebounds. He's blocking a million shots. He's got way more scope to get steals. He gets assists. He scores okay at times. And even in points leagues, this is a top 100 sort of a player that should not be sitting on approximately a quarter of waiver wires across on Yahoo. So those six guys, Zach Collins, Dan Gafford, Jalen Johnson, DeAnthony Melton, Wendell Carter, and Asar Thompson, just make sure they're rostered. This next group of guys that I project outside the top 150 who are still rostered in over 60% of leagues doesn't mean you have to go and drop them. It just means that if they're on your roster, maybe reconsider. Maybe they don't need to be there. Maybe you can drop them to get a stream player in. And of course, it's you know we talk about projections and all that sort of stuff. And um, it could be guys that I hate on that list for sure. One of them is Kevon Lee. Don't hate him at all. I just don't think that he provides anything for fantasy outside of he's a good rebounder and he doesn't get many turnovers. But Lonzo Ball leads the league in turnovers. So look, that's where I have that concern when your best category or your only two positive strengths are, and one of them is turnovers. And rebounds is fine. But Kevon Looney is totally okay to roster, right? Totally fine. Just not a must at all. Gary Trent, I think this one's relatively clear. It is all coming to fruition for my plan to hate Gary Trent. He just is not all that good as a player, and we are seeing his minutes drop pretty consistently. Last game, he got dicked. Grady played over him, and... I don't know whether that's going to continue, but unless there's a starting five injury, there's no reason you want Trent on a 12-team roster, I don't think. The pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. 61% rostered. Yes, he had a very good game opening night. And the rest of the games is what Harrison Barnes is. So there's no reason to have Harrison. This is why we didn't draft Harrison Barnes. This is why I made a point in every single, asterisk, basically, every single preseason episode I would make an example saying don't draft Harrison Barnes in the final rounds. Drop him. Bob Porter, 71%. He is basically exclusively a backup center to Brook Lopez. Now, he will have games where he's okay. He had a good double-double last game. He'll have games where Lopez and Giannis is out and he becomes useful. But I find it really hard to roster an 18, 20-minute-a-night backup center whose value only spikes when someone is out. So I wouldn't be all that interested in holding on to him. The other name I've got there is Russell Westbrook, who's rostered, rostered, rostered in 89% of leagues. And I do have a big asterisk and question mark next to him. Because in a points league, I wouldn't really consider him here. In a category league, I would consider it. Now, I don't know what's going to be the impact of James Harden exactly. Does Westbrook even start? Or does that fit make it too clunky and Terrence Mann starts? I would think that, given the face that Terrence Mann was showing in that locker room yesterday when old three phones arrived, that maybe Mann moves to the bench. But it is going to be hard for Westbrook to get big usage or even big assist numbers now that Harden is there. And I think with his deficiencies in other areas, it probably does end up dropping him to a waiver wire player in categories. I think he takes one of the biggest hits out of anybody in that Harden to the Clippers trade. So I would be cautious with him at the moment, but once we see it, I, I honestly don't think that he is going to be able to... Um, I don't think he's going to be able to stick around as a 12-team league guy. Points league's a little bit different, but it's obviously a situation that we really need to monitor. Today's episode is brought to you by PricePix. PricePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS as well, which is more important, honestly. It's just you against the numbers. It's not against players with all of these spreadsheets and algorithms and millions of hours during the day to go out there and beat you. It's you against a projected stat. PricePix puts it up, you look at it, and you say more or less. Simple. You can do up to six of those 
in one um, bet. You can win up to 25 times your entry fee back. Very simple. And with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can do LeBron or Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. Wow. That's a new thing they used to have. You used to be able to always put like LeBron at one stat and then a football player at something else. But now you can do I as one selection, a combo. That's something definitely new. You can also play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. Wowee. You can now find community plays under the promo tabs of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. So go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PricePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Just realized my voice is starting to go. I don't know what's going on there, but sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Let's... Um, Let's look at the most added players here over the last 48 hours. The top three are using our advanced roster percentage metric um, over on Basketball Monster. The bottom three are the top Yahoo ads. So number one is Jalen Suggs up 47%. He played really well in that game yesterday. And he's had, after a struggle in the first game, he's pushing his minutes up and up and up. And he looks like a player that's not necessarily worthy of being picked number five overall, but looking at least not like a bust. And part of the reason of the the increase in Suggs' roster percentage is the, the Magic schedule where they play Tuesday and Thursday. So he's totally good to roster for the moment. We'll see where it goes. Eric Gordon, up 46%. While the Suns had four quality games this week, he already had a big one on Tuesday. He's got three more quality games left this week. We don't know that Booker and Beal are going to play. So Gordon, I think he's a really strong ad. Dorian Finney-Smith also, 35% up. No Claxton, no Johnson, now no Dinwiddie. He's going to start. He's going to get more minutes. He's going to get more shots. He's blocking shots at a better level. I think he is, for at least the short term, worth looking at. And then the top three ads over on Yahoo. The number one most added player is Cali Oubre. Almost 2,000 ads there for Oubre. I guess part of it is the comment that Nick Nurse came out with today and said that Oubre is going to be our short-term starter. He also then went on to say, but we do really like his scoring punch from the bench. So when he says short-term starter, I just think he means until the trade is finalized or until the guys that arrive get acclimated to the system. But I'm not sure it really changes that much for Ubre. In fact, starting when you're already getting 30-plus minutes off the bench might actually make it worse. It means more minutes, probably, that you share alongside Maxi and Embiid. So while everyone's rushing to add Ubre because of this trade, remember, everything that he has done so far has been without James Harden. What he will continue to do now will be without James Harden, but with four other players added in. So it's one of those things that it is hard for a fantasy brain to break through. Oh, Harden's gone now. Everybody's going to go off. Yeah, everything he has done has been without Harden so far. We have got this, this not, I was going to say gigantic. It's not. We've got this sample size of Ubre, no Harden. And now we've got to work out with, so what it is actually is Ubre plus Covington Batum, Martin Morris. And to go and rush to add him now, I, I don't know. I don't know that it actually improves him. Yes, maybe if those guys aren't ready, but people hear starter, they see Harden trade, they go, well, let's go. Let's go with Ubre. I've got Ubre in a couple of leagues. I had him for the weekend back-to-back. I held to see what would happen. But I'm not confident, especially in category leagues. Gary Payton up 852 ads. I, I could not, for the life of me, tell you why he is the second most added player. 
I know Clay Thompson missed last game, but I, I, I can't. I got no idea why. Unless I have missed something blindingly obvious and Steph's out for the year or something, I don't know what's happening. Why is Gary Payton the second most added player? I'm pretty sure I haven't missed anything here. This doesn't make sense. Are they streaming him on a 13-game Wednesday? I, I honestly, I, I can't explain it. Maybe you someone that's watching this and I've just missed something blindingly obvious about why Gary Payton is being added. I, I don't know. This is the third most added player is Davion Mitchell, a bit over 600 ads. That's because De'Aaron Fox is out. But again, you're not going to use Davion Mitchell today on a 13-game day. He's not a particularly strong fantasy player. And I think guys like Malik Monk do better than him in this scenario. So I wouldn't have rushed to add him either. So some dubious decisions, Yahoo people. Let's look at the most dropped players. Lou Dort is down 18%. Good. He's only really sniffing value in a 12-team points, not in a 12-team category league. We know there's just too much inconsistency, not enough shots to go around, and he just doesn't do it for category leagues. Gary Trent down 13%. Cool. Makes sense as well. You know, I just talked about him. And Obi Toppin down 10%. He is starting, but it does not matter. He is getting someone else playing more minutes over him every game. Um, he's not particularly a good player, and he's not going to be able to stick in a big-minute role. He's not even getting a big-minute role. The three most dropped players over on Yahoo, Josh the Hitman Hart, down almost 1,500. Now, he did put up some pretty good numbers yesterday in terms of minutes, but that was likely due to the blowout. He hasn't been pushing anywhere near where he needs to, and I guess part of the reason people held him for yesterday was because of the low schedule. No problem with dropping Josh Hart. Dean Wade down 866. Again, that was likely schedule-related from yesterday, and Gary Harris down 644. Those guys were probably just added in to play on Tuesday with so many um, players or so many teams not playing and then injuries hitting uh, in particular there in Cleveland, which does give uh, that extra boost there to Dean Wadey Wade. What about some hot players? These are guys in, that aren't Kelly Oubre, because of course he would win this category every week. We're just looking at the guys who have been putting up really good numbers to start the season and whether that is uh, reasonable. I'm not talking about your number ones and number twos and Jokic and Steph and Maxi and Embiid. We know that they're hot players, all right? We know that. These are the guys that might be available in your league that are worth talking about. One of them is Gordon Haywood who might lose value when Miles Bridges returns, if Miles Bridges returns. But at the moment, Haywood's got to be rostered. So does his teammate, Brandon Miller. Now, last game was a weird one where they went really small and that enabled more minutes for Miller, but he delivered. He's been playing really well. He's been top 100 and he has definitely exceeded my expectations. Maybe I was wrong on the role he is going to have. Now, of course, there are some caveats there because Miles Bridges isn't available and he would be a guy that would be cutting minutes out of Miller. I was at least right in that Miller wouldn't start, and he isn't, and I don't know if he ever will this season. But for now, he's rolling. Um, DeAndre Hunter, also playing really well at the moment, getting a few extra shots in that starting lineup. I'm going to be a little bit dubious about him continuing to do this or shoot this well, but he's not a bad short-term ad just to see what goes on. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is also playing well, but I'd be really cautious with Caldwell-Pope because it's not like he's doing stuff that is massively sustainable. He's averaging about three steals per game. That's floating his number. And he's shooting 50% from the field. In fact, his usage from last season has actually gone down. So someone had this comment to me over on the Basketball Monster Forum yesterday. Man, like he's he's more important to them now that Bruce Brown has gone. So maybe he can keep this up. And like they're using him less. Like his usage is actually down. The reason that he's ranking, which is again, not always to do with ability, performance, or involvement, is numerous things it is that are behind it. The reason he's able to be where he is, like 80th or whatever, is three steals a game and 50% shooting. And sit there, look at the mirror, 
evaluate a lot of your choices in life and think, is one of them that you believe that KCP will be a three steals and 50% shooting player? And the answer to that's clearly no, right? He's just not going to be. So that means he is going to drop back. So by all means, he's fine for now. But we do know that this is just going to drop and drop and drop and drop. Um, Tim Hardaway, playing pretty well at the moment. Kyrie Irving, doubtful for Wednesday. Again, he's a very hit or miss player. We know this. He will have 18 points and four threes and then four points on 11% shooting. While Kyrie's out, at least there's more opportunity for him, more minutes, more shots. And that makes him useful as a short-term stream, but not someone I want to hold on to long-term. The other one is Lonnie Walker, who is, amazingly, inside the top 100 so far this season per game. That's largely because of what he did last game. I think he had five assists in that game. He is not someone who's ever been that sort of player in the past. He's a guy that needs big volume, big scoring, big minutes, and big efficiency to register fantasy value, and he just has never been able to do that consistently. But with Dinwiddie, Johnson, Claxton all out, he's probably going to start, and that means he is probably going to get increased value. So if you want to stream someone in, by all means, he can be considered in that role. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. Money line bet, sorry. That is $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's never been a better time to get in on the action because you can use that bonus bets once your money line wins. You go pick the, the most obvious favorite there is and do that one, right? Try that with your $5 and then you get your $150 back. And then you can use that on spreads and player props and futures like the Dolphins for the Super Bowl. That's an, that's an obvious one. We all know that one. Um, totals, parlays, whatever. Use your, use your bonus bets once you get them for whatever you like. So go to fanjul.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fanjul is an official partner of the NFL and don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's wrap up this waiver wire show now with a couple of extra things we need to look at, and that is some injury replacement options. So with De'Aaron Fox out, we do consider Malik Monk an option. Now, they do have a stinking schedule between now and the following Sunday, the Sunday of week three, there are only five Kings games on. Two this week, including one today with 13 games on Wednesday and three next week. That's not ideal, right? And you burn a lot of streaming chances. So if you added Malik Monk, would he be your worst player through those two weeks? And if so, he is not worth it for you. If you're adding it as a spot stream for certain days, no problem. But he is the guy that I would add over Davion Mitchell. And then Mitchell and Herder would probably be equal to me after that. In uh, Brooklyn, it's Dorian Finney-Smith and Lonnie Walker. I, I, I'm not going to include Cam Thomas here. He's rostered everywhere. He's been playing really well, and he's got a huge chance to continue what he does. I still remain somewhat skeptical that Thomas can continue at this level because, A, he needs these minutes and these shots, and he's not producing in peripheral categories. But I, I, I would say that's pretty obvious, but that gets me labeled as a hater when I just think it's pretty obvious. We'll see what happens with him, but at the moment, Thomas is rolling, and we love that. Uh, we love what he's doing. But the two big injury replacements there are Finney-Smith and, and Walker. In Phoenix, with Beal and Booker remaining sidelined, maybe for the rest of this week, we don't know. We look at Eric Gordon, Grayson Allen, and Jordan Goodwin. Goodwin struggled on Tuesday, but with three quality games left for the week, these three guys are still in play, probably in that order, although I could easily see an argument for Goodwin over Allen. Um, Alec Burks in Detroit with Boyan Bogdanovich and Monte Morris still out. Burks is shooting, and even his ball handling is really important on this team that has no spacing. So he's someone that absolutely can be streamed in. Um, Marvin Bagley also in Detroit because Jalen Duran is dealing with an ankle injury. We don't know how severe the Duran injury is at this point. He might not even miss the game on Wednesday. But if he does miss, then Bagley becomes a short-term stream. Bagley's been playing really efficiently 
as a backup. And you know that I don't love Bagley as a full-time NBA starter because I think it's been proven that he is not capable of doing that. But what he is, is a high points and rebounds guy. When he does get starters minutes, that's super important for points leagues. And he might have an opportunity if Duran misses to put up some short-term numbers. And the other one there is in Indiana, where we don't know whether Tyrese Halliburton is going to play. He's dealing with an ankle sprain. So Andrew Nempard and TJ McConnell become your options. Now, I would say that the bulk of the minutes do go to Nempard, but McConnell is by far the better per minute producer. And honestly, if TJ plays 25 minutes, he would be the ad over McConnell, uh, over Nempart. I don't know that that'll be the case. I'd be almost more interested to take a flyer on TJ because he could run while Halliburton is out, honestly, as a top 70 player, whereas Nempart, best case, maybe he's top 100, top 90. And Nempart can just sort of float along, play 33 minutes, have 12 points, four, four assists, whereas TJ might go you know, 15, 7, 7, 2 steals. That's what his upside is when Nempard can't quite get there, even if there's a 10-minute discrepancy between them. It's a tough call because we just don't know how they're going to use the minutes, but you would suggest that if Tyrese is out, TJ does get some playing time. I'd be pretty shocked if he didn't. Let's look at some more longer-term options. You know, I'm going to put Keontae George there. I'm going to really reiterate this because sometimes my words do get misinterpreted. And I was having a, it was really a really respectful conversation with someone uh, yesterday on Twitter talking about George. He goes, man, you seem so excited for Keontae George. Yeah, I think it's fun to have a, a rookie like this who's got some excitement. But it's not that I'm sitting here going, if you have Keontae George, you are winning your fantasy league because that's disingenuous and wrong. It's not. He is a rookie point guard that even if he does get the starting job, there will be some struggles. But it's more like, hey, if you've got a little bit of patience, sit on someone. I think he's going to take this role in a few weeks. He might not, but we give it a couple of weeks. And then if he doesn't, we drop. And then by the time we get rolling through Christmas, maybe he's giving you 16 points, six assists, two and a half threes, four rebounds, 1.3 steals. Maybe he gives you that. I don't know. But finding that player off the wire is almost an impossible task. Right? So that's why I'm like, if you've got the ability to stash, get ahead of it by a week or two. See what happens. Horton Tucker's up and down. There's no one in their right mind that suggests that Taylor Horton Tucker is a future starting guard on the Utah Jazz. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. And at some point, it feels inevitable that Keontae will take over. But you don't wait on it forever. You don't sacrifice a top 100 player to do it. Like if someone's asked me this as well, and he's on this list, like, hey man, do I add Scoot or Keontae? Well, you add the guy who's already playing 33 minutes. Even though he's struggling, you very clearly add the better prospect, the better player than the guy with more minutes. That is a no-brainer because you're going to have to wait on both of them. But one of them is actually playing more minutes. But I am excited to see what Keontae can do. And I just, sometimes you just like to get a little bit ahead of the curve just to grab the guy if you've got the ability to wait. Now, if your team is getting killed by multiple injuries, it's really hard to do. But sometimes if we just go a little bit early, like we went a little bit early with Jalen Duran last season or Walker Kessler last year or Jalen Williams, it's all about, or even Mark Williams, it's all about just reading the tea leaves and going, hmm, I think this might happen in a week or two. Let's see what happens. doesn't always work. And then you move on to the next one. Um, I've got Trey Jones there. Trey Jones hasn't played 30 minutes yet. It seems that every person on NBA Twitter, Trey Jones needs to play. Trey Jones is the better point guard. Get the Spurs a point guard. We need Trey Jones out there. And I get that. Is the Spurs' number one thing winning? I'm not sure that it is. All right, so the fact that they commit, like Popovich is not Fizdale. The fact that they've committed to Sohan as a starting point guard, and they have, Pop has said, this is the year of experimenting with Sohan point guard. Even if the Trey Jones is a better point guard situation might be clear, that doesn't mean they're going to switch to that immediately. Now, they close with both Jones and Sohan on the court yesterday, 
And it can be as obvious as dog's balls that Jones is a better point guard than Sohan. I agree. But that's not really what it's about. It's not about... Popovich is not Tom thibodeau in this to extract every single little skerrick of individual value from every minute in every game for this very moment only. That's not what it's about here. So while Trey Jones might be the guy that takes over for Sohan, I just think in terms of development and, and the player's um, uh, confidence and valuation, I, I don't think that they're just benching Sohan um, immediately to get Jones in because he's the better point guard for now. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just off on that, but it's just trying to read the tea leaves of why the move was made to begin with, why Jones signed the contract he did, and why Popovich would come out and say the things that he did. They're the things that I go, hmm, I'm not sure that this happens straight away. For as obvious as it might be to improve your odds of winning every single game, I'm not sure that is the goal here. But still, Jones is providing good assists and there's value in it. Amen Thompson, I don't really know how he takes over, honestly, because... I think he's going to be good, but he's not getting ahead of Van Vliet. He's probably not getting ahead of Brooks, who's had a really hot start to the season. He's probably not getting ahead of Green. So that one's a little iffy, but we still believe in the talent. Scoot's there too. Scoot's getting the minutes. If you drafted Scoot, hopefully you were well aware that you would have multiple weeks of outside top 200 production with the expectation that maybe once we hit Christmas, you'd get top 60, top 70, maybe top 50 numbers. So you've got to ride it out. Orlando Robinson's a longer-term one. This is for deeper leagues. I don't think that it's going to take very long for him to be considered better than Thomas Bryant. He already actually is better than Thomas Bryant, and he's younger, and he's a better developmental prospect. So he's got all that going in his favor. So he's just someone to watch that if Bam misses more time and they lean into him, he will have value. And the other one there is Rob Covington, who I don't know whether he will start in Philly. He might not even start immediately. But there is a little something there, because I do think the type of player that Covington is might be someone that appeals to Nick Nurse. But you might have to wait a week or so. I would much rather have him than Batum or Morris or KJ Martin because the fantasy upside is higher. It might not work out. In fact, it probably doesn't. But that's what we're looking at with a long-term stream. Just sort of taking a flyer on someone and seeing where we go. Lastly, just some other names to consider. Nas Reed and Kyle Anderson. Reed, I think, does belong on a 12-team league roster. Anderson, I'm not sure he does. I just don't think he's going to... It's 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 almost a binary between these two. If Reed is getting enough minutes to be a 12-team league guy, then Anderson is not because there aren't enough minutes to go around without injury. And I do believe that they will lean more into Reed than they will into Anderson. So if I had to choose between those two, I would choose Reed. Aaron Neesmith has been playing more minutes than Obi Toppin. He's been okay. He's more of a 14-team league guy, I think. Again, I've seen Aaron Neesmith as a starting power forward. And it didn't move anything. I didn't get any sort of excitement from him as a 12-team league player. He might be useful as a stream, but that's about it to me. Um, Dylan Brooks is also playing really well. Definitely a 12-team league points league guy. And honestly, I think you might be looking at him as a category league player. He's being more um, controlled with his shooting. They're actually going in, and that's not always going to be the case. But he is doing pretty well. Bones Highland, at the moment, while the Clippers are all injured or waiting for trades, he's playing really well. He is also someone that I think is going to hurt significantly when Harden arrives. There's not going to be, I don't think, 20 plus minutes a night for Bones Highland. So a lot of that value will drop. And the last one is Kobe Brown because they lost four power forwards, the Clippers. Brown has an ability to really stuff the stat sheet. And while Kawhi slash Paul George will be their starting power forward, maybe Brown is their backup power forward. Maybe he's not. Look, that's probably PJ Tucker. But just he's just someone to watch 
just in deeper leagues, just see can he work into a regular rotation role because there's been a big pathway cleared out now. Four guys out, Tucker in as true power forwards. Maybe, probably not, but maybe. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.